Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. On July 22nd, Rag Rag kicks off. And for the first time in 17 years, they'll bring writers to my hometown, Denison. 17 years. That's half a lifetime ago for me. And I was getting ready to enter my senior year of high school. The presence of 30,000 people from all kinds of different backgrounds descending upon a small, rural, very white community of about 7,000 was probably a culture shock on both sides. It was for me, and I wasn't even white, but I had white privilege. Growing up, my family had deep roots in Denison. My brothers and cousins took turns playing Johnny and Susie High School. My grandfather grew up with Donna Mollinger. You may know her better as Donna Reed. Donna went on to become one of Hollywood's elites in her prime, often cited in her biographies that my grandfather was the one that broke her heart. My grandma really liked that last tidbit. <laughs> Across the street from the high school in Denison, the water tower is even emblazed with the slogan, It's a Wonderful Life. I was three months and two days old when my English-speaking Korean escort flew with me from Songnam City, South Korea, to Chicago, Illinois. Not only had she cared for me on this flight, but she also took care of me during the, my time in the orphanage. When she carried me off the airplane with tears in her eyes and handed me to my very eye-open, very Caucasian mother, my mom freaked out. She thought she was given the wrong baby because I was dressed in blue and immediately had to change my diaper. I recently celebrated my 34th Gosh Day, the day of no longer being an orphan and of finding my family. Essentially, it's also the anniversary of me becoming just like any other white person in that town. Everywhere I went, my family's white privilege was passed on to me. I was not seen as an orphan, an outsider, a threat to their norm. I was one of them. Today encouraged me to embrace my Korean heritage. When I was three, I asked my mom why I didn't look like them. Why was my skin a different color? I'd seen Cinderella enough times to know that even her evil step family looked just like her. Weren't all families supposed to look the same? My mom didn't miss a beat. I followed her into the bedroom, and on the top shelf of her closet, she moved aside the yellow sewing box pulled out another box from behind it. Inside was a book about South Korea, some sweet Korean rubber shoes I wore until they ripped, a paper fan, and the infamous Randy Might Be a Boy outfit. <laughs> she explained to me that I had two moms, herself, and one that loved me so much, she knew she needed to provide me opportunities that she could not. 
So she found a new family for me. At that time, that's all I needed. I knew my family was still my family. I just said it summer like they did. <laughs> Later, I would ask my family why they chose to adopt me. And they said they just knew it needed to happen. I knew it wasn't like that, though, for people of color, it does. Folks were treated differently. At church, I'd hear things like, those people only talk in Mexican because they're talking about us. At the hair salon, those people talk so loud and fast they need to slow down. I don't know if you've ever been to a small town hair salon, but a gaggle of old women talk loud, speak fast, and you have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> Even when 11 badly decomposed bodies were found in a train car in Denison, little empathy was expressed. Instead, I heard, we should take all these, this town's Mexicans and put them in a train car too. I couldn't understand that. I couldn't wrap my brain around it. How could this community that supported me hold such hatred to others just because they looked and sounded different? I began to withdraw from my classmates, from my church, even some members of my family. My church and its small tribe claimed to be welcoming, but if you weren't a member, you were treated as stupid, as ignorant. You needed to learn our ways and our values. How was this a wonderful life? I kept thinking, our community will die. Towns die out when they don't evolve. Denison was not evolved. It was excluding. About a month after high school graduation, I moved away, and I have not lived in Denison since. When I went to college, I didn't even come home and stay during holiday and prolonged semester breaks. To me, Denison was a community that promoted a lot. Sure, it's a wonderful life if you're white. It's a wonderful life if you don't ask questions. It's a wonderful life if you don't test the standard. Later, I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. I immediately fell in love with this port city. It was huge. People didn't think I was a lesbian just because I played rugby. People knew what rugby was. I loved visiting the open-air market in Charleston. It's kind of like the farmer's market here, but much more exotic. There are basket weavers and crawline makers, ghost tour guides, voodoo doll sellers, and even handmade rosaries. At the surface, it seemed awesome. And then I did some research. Charleston's open-air market stood on the ground of America's oldest and still standing slave market. And they were proud of it. As a city, Charleston seems so diverse. What was it? One Monday, and I'm not very proud of this, I found myself sitting on a cotton plantation, having high tea and eating cucumber sandwiches with a bunch of affluent white women. They were discussing how to keep pushing the dark-skinned folks out of the high tourist areas. They were talking about their daughters being at yet another summer camp, learning how to walk in heels, how to smile pretty, never get dirty, and do what they were told. 
I spent my summers working with race car engines. This was not my squad. I began to miss Iowa. I missed our historic progressiveness. Integrated schools nearly a century before Brown versus Board of Education. Refusing to return an escaped slave to the South. Essentially giving asylum to an immigrant looking for a better life. So I went back to Iowa, not to Denison, but I did go to visit. And when I did, I went to the new Walmart because what else are you going to do in a small town? <laughs> Immediately upon entering, I was followed around by an older female employee with dark curly hair and missing teeth. I didn't spend much time in the store, but when I went to leave, she demanded to check my purse. She was 100% sure I had stolen something, but what she couldn't tell. I was mad. I realized that in less than six minutes, my 18 years of white privilege in that community had been revoked. I drove around the business district. Stores were closed. Buildings looked dilapidated. People were saying it. This was the community dying. Thankfully, others had seen the stagnant mindset were concerned. Today, 17 years after Red Bride was last in Denison, and 10 years after being baselessly followed around like a criminal, things are changing. And my classmates are at the forefront of that change. With new appreciation, thanks to the kids I went to school with, I'm able to appreciate the values that rural Iowa gave me. Nice. Real, genuine, let me take your gas payment inside for you so you don't slip on the ice type of niceness. Mindfulness. No, I will not leave my grocery cart in the middle of the aisle because somebody might need to get through. Have you ever been to the Mill Civic Hy-Vee? That does not happen. <laughs> the ability to believe and to have faith in people and each other and a higher power in the underdog. You learn to work hard because an entire community is depending on you. You do what's right because an entire town is watching. I strive to raise my daughter with those same convictions. I want her to feel a sense of home when we visit Denison, but never growing up there, can she? Should she? She never experienced Denison as I did, either the early inclusion or the later exclusion. But I am very thankful she will never experience white privilege. It stays with you your entire life and clouds your judgment. Now I won't stand here and tell you that everything is sunshine and daisies about living in a small town. But I cannot tell you that it's all terrible and judgmental either. Communities are what their residents make of them. Denison is evolving. So am I. We all are. Dennis and I, we're both getting stronger by addressing our weaknesses and embracing what makes us feel whole. People say that rural Iowa is dying. I say it's not. Rural Iowans are used to rolling up their sleeves and doing what needs to get done. Rural Iowans will change the dynamic and we will save rural Iowa. Thank you.